the Christ candle. May our hearts be aware of Jesus, both in his humanity and in his divinity, as we look to this child who is born to us, as we look to the miraculous birth of our Lord. Our reading in God's word comes to us from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, let this child who is born to us be both our hope and our joy. May Jesus be ever present within our hearts and within our minds. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. reached the end of our Advent tune. For those of you who are new here today, over the past few weeks, as Kelly mentioned, we have been going through this hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and the, and the scripture behind this song. And what we have discovered is that each verse, each stanza, if you will, comes to us from these, these antiphons of old. These Latin verses that were, were chanted during the days of Advent by the ancient church. And we learned that each antiphon gives to us a title or a name of Christ demonstrating who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We began with both wisdom from on high and our Lord of might, where we saw Jesus as both the creator of all and the one who judges according to his perfect law. And then on the following Sunday, we, it was shown to us that Jesus is also the branch from Jesse's tree, as well as the key of David. And it was in these two titles that we see Christ as both God and man, and that he holds authority, determining who can enter into his kingdom and who will be left out. And then last Sunday, we learned that Jesus is both the day spring and the desire of nations. He is the one who, who vanquishes the darkness of sin and death as he fulfills the true desire of every man, this yearning that we have to be at peace. And now today we look at our last stanza from our hymn, our last title for Jesus. And the name that we find is Emmanuel. Listen once again to this final verse. 
O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. The original antiphon went like this. O Emmanuel, our King and our lawgiver, the hope of the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord our God. Emmanuel. It means God with us. It is a title of encouragement. It is a title of faith. It is a title that communicates that the Lord Almighty is on our side. And this is a title that is given to this one who is born of a virgin. Like many of the other titles for Jesus that we get from our hymn, this too comes to us from the book of Isaiah. It is in Isaiah chapter 7 that we learn about a king named Ahaz. And we discover this prophecy concerning a child that was to be born of a virgin. Question is, how did this prophecy come about? Why was it given in the first place? Look at, look at Isaiah 7, look at verses 1 through 11. This will give us a backdrop to, to this prophecy. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool, on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin, and within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. So what's going on here? What's, what's all this talk about war and, and the deposing of a king? Bottom line, Ahaz, the king of Judah, was in trouble. You see, Ahaz ruled during a, a period of history when the Assyrian kingdom was becoming a, a great world power. It was an expanding kingdom, threatening many of the nations near its borders. And these Assyrians, they, they were now trying to push their forces southward, desiring to take on Egypt. But there were all these 
minor nations in between that were getting in their way, Judah being one of them. Now north of Judah were both Aram and Israel, also known as Ephraim. And these two nations, they had, they had made an alliance with one another, agreeing to combine their forces in order to battle the Assyrians. And they had asked Judah to join them in this fight. The only problem was that King Ahaz had already made his own agreement with the Assyrians. He had agreed, agreed to give them tribute in order that they might leave Judah alone. And so King Ahaz had to decline this alliance with both Ephraim and Aram. And that's why these two nations were now plotting to attack him. They had laid siege upon Jerusalem, hoping to depose Ahaz and install their own puppet king and thus force Judah to enter the fight. And this left Ahaz, the king over God's people, trembling with fear. But it's also why we see in our passage that the prophet Isaiah came to this man with words from the Lord Almighty, words of reassurance, words that, that were to bring him courage, telling him to not be afraid, for the Lord was on his side. In other words, God wanted Ahaz to know that he was with him. He wanted Ahaz to stand his ground and to trust and God for the victory. And to prove that God was with him, God had, had told this king to ask for a sign, ask for a difficult sign, a sign as deep as Sheol, a sign as high as heaven. You see, God wanted Ahaz to have certainty that he was with him. How would this king respond? Look at verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. I will not put the Lord to the test. Sounds like a pious answer, does it not? Sounds like a man who wants to do the right thing. And yet it's not the right thing. This was not spoken out of piety. And that's because when God himself asks, no, no, when God commands you to ask for a sign, that's not putting the Lord to the test. That's the Lord putting you to the test. In fact, to not do so is pure disobedience. You see, what this passage highlights for us is that this Ahaz was a man who, who did not want God with him. Rather, he was a man who wanted to solve his own problems. A man who wanted to look toward the strength of men in order to find his security. And so instead of listening to God's prophet, instead of receiving help from the Lord, King Ahaz, King Ahaz would, would look elsewhere for his salvation. He would look to the Assyrians, to, to, to the ones whom he was already in league with. And so while it may sound pious for this king to say that he would not put the Lord to the test, truth be told, Ahaz, he didn't want the Lord's help at all. 
Instead, he wanted worldly help. Rather than trusting in the Lord his God, he would put his faith in men. And yet these Assyrians, these one whom Ahaz would look towards, they would eventually become even more of a threat than the nations of Israel and Aram could ever be. And so as a rebuke, the Lord gave to Ahaz his own sign. Look at Isaiah chapter 7, verses 13 through 16. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Now, in the immediate context of this passage, we, we see that God would give his own sign to this king. A child would be born, a child whose name would be Emmanuel, which in irony of ironies means God with us. And this would take place sometime during Ahaz's reign. This was the Lord's way of rebuking this king Basically by telling him, even though you don't want my help, even though you don't want me to be with you, I'm going to be with you whether you like it or not. I'm going to be with you despite your disobedience. And before this child would reach the age of choosing between right and wrong, so within 13 years of this child's birth, both Israel and Aram, those two nations that you fear, they would be no more. They would be wiped from the face of the earth. To summarize, what we basically have in this account is a man who did not want God's presence, but instead wanted to do things his own way. He relied on the strength of men rather than the strength of God. And yet, getting rid of God is not that easy, is it? Fast forward 700 years, and this minor story about a king in trouble leads us to the story, the story of all mankind, the story that we read at the lighting of our Christ candle. Joseph had just found out that Mary, the, the woman to whom he was engaged, was pregnant. And out of his desire to solve his own problem, Joseph decided to divorce her quietly. He would simply push Mary to the side, but he would do so in a respectable manner. And yet God had other plans, did he not? And as Joseph slept, this happened. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, what, what Joseph viewed as an undesirable pregnancy was actually the will of the Lord. And it was a solution to Joseph's true problem. The fact that Mary was pregnant wasn't what was given, giving Joseph these restless nights. No. It was the fact that Joseph was a sinner living in a fallen creation. It was the fact that Joseph and really every other human being was living under the curse was living under the wrath of God because of their sins. And that's why this boy, this child that was to be born of a virgin, was to be named Jesus, which in the Hebrew language would have been pronounced Yeshua. And Yeshua means Yahweh saves. You see, this Jesus would save his people from their sins. Dear friends, it doesn't matter your standing in life. It doesn't matter if you're great or if you're lowly, for we all face the same struggle. You could be the king of Judah with, with armies surrounding your cities, or you could be this lowly carpenter engaged to a woman who is already pregnant. The problem that you have is the same. You are a sinner and in need of God's mercy. You are in need of God's forgiveness. Listen, these, these two men, both King Ahaz and, and Joseph, they, they were looking at life through a, through a narrow scope. They couldn't see the bigger picture. All they could see were the problems that were right in front of them. And, and both of them were looking towards man-made solutions to resolve these problems. The king sought the help of a larger nation, right? When you're being bullied, just become friends with a bigger bully, right? Joseph, the carpenter, he, he was looking for an out. He, he just wanted the problem to go away. And yet neither of these men saw their true struggle. That their issues weren't with the world, rather their, their issues were with God. Because of their sins, they were under his judgment. And that's why this child would also be called Emmanuel, God with us. You see, God must be the one who solves our sin problem. Brothers, sisters, what was true for these two men is true for you as well. Sure, the, the world will bring you trouble. And these troubles, they, they might be small and personal, just like Joseph had, or, or they could be troubles that are big and large, that affect many, many people, like King Ahaz. But whether big or small, they, they pale in, in comparison to the true problem that you have, that your sin has separated you from God's favor. That you are under the judgment of the Lord Almighty and doomed to perish. 
Because of your iniquities, you have become separated from God, and thus you don't have God with you. Rather, you have become godless. And it is this godlessness that you need rescuing from. Listen, you can try to save yourself. I mean, just go on Amazon, right? You'll find a multitude of self-help books and that'll get you started. You can try to be a good person, right? You can give to the poor. You can help the needy, hoping that your, your good deeds will outweigh your bad. Or you can be like Ahaz, right? You can look to the powerful of this world and, and ask them to solve all your problems for you. There are plenty of philanthropists out there. If you ask the government, they'll help you out, right? Plenty of government programs that are more than willing to give you assistance. Or you can be like Joseph. You can try to push your problems to the side, push them away. You can move to a new city. You can find a different job. You can make new friends. Yet whether you are like Ahaz or whether you are like Joseph, all these solutions, they're only going to get you so far. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how powerful your, your allies are, you will not find the rescue that you need from your godless condition. Enter Emmanuel, God with us. This one who is fully God and fully man. The only one who can bridge the gap. This Jesus who, who takes upon himself the very thing that, that caused your dilemma. He is the one who, who takes up your sin and places it upon himself by going to the cross. By taking upon the judgment that should have been yours to face. Brothers, Sisters, what, what you need is a sinless God who fills himself full of your sin. You need a, a God who gets his feet dirty by walking down the paths that you have tread. You need a God who has lowered himself down to your level in order to lift you up to his. You need a God who became a man in order to live the life that you could not. And to die the death that you deserve. You need Emmanuel. God with us. You know, only, only God could come up with a plan like that. It, it's beyond our wisdom, right? And yet it's so simple that, that even a child can understand it. The Apostle Paul said this in the book of Romans, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I hope you see it. The goal of God with you is you with God. His desire has always been for you. And this is why he takes on all those different names. 
Jesus is this wisdom from on high for you. Jesus is this Lord of might for you. Jesus is the branch of Jesse's tree for you. Jesus is the key of David for you. Jesus is that day spring for you. Jesus is the desire of nations for you. And Jesus is Emmanuel, God with you, and God for you. A little over a week ago, Kelly, our, our dear sister, she, she discovered some information about these antiphons of old that I didn't know about. If we take a, a look at these ancient hymns in the original Latin, we, we discover that the beginning letters of each title, they create an acrostic. And that acrostic spells out the Latin words, arrow cross. And what arrow cross means is this. I will be there tomorrow. I will be there tomorrow. Fitting words for this Christmas Eve. Fitting words for our Emmanuel. For this God who is with us. Let us pray. Father, tomorrow is Christmas morning. And many of us will awake to presents under the tree and stockings full of goodies. We will wake up to the sound of familiar voices and in great excitement. But let us not forget the real gift that Christmas morning celebrates. The gift of Emmanuel, God with us. May you guide us by your Holy Spirit as we remember your Son. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Emmanuel. Amen.